Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Happy Labor Day! I know 2020 is a weird year for celebrations, but I'm wishing everyone a happy day off of work if you have one and hope you have a nice long weekend doing something you love, like sewing maybe. On today's show, we're sharing some tips for getting your projects organized before the busy holiday season starts. We also chat with Susan Cleveland of Pieces Be With You. So let's dive in. For some reason, September always marks the beginning of holiday season for me. It's when I start swapping out my quilts for my fall ones, planning gifts to make for family and friends, and starting to sew new Christmas decor. It's also when all the progress I've been making on my UFOs, quilt alongs, and other projects totally stops because I get too busy and overwhelmed. But I'm thinking about September differently this year. I'm using this month to organize my projects for future success. I usually only do a big organization at the beginning of the year. I make a list of all the projects I'm working on and all the projects in my unfinished objects pile. Then I make some goals, have a plan of attack, and organize all the parts and pieces for my projects so that I can store them easier and have an easier time getting started on them when I have the time but it's been nine months since I've organized. And at this point in the year, I've started a bunch of new projects and also I'm juggling my to-sew list for gifts and the holidays. So it won't hurt to spend a little time taking stock of what I need to do and reevaluating my plan of attack for the rest of the year. If you're in the same boat and want to join me, here are the steps I'm taking. First, going to look through all my closets, drawers, storage containers, etc. everywhere I'm, I'm shoving my, my projects to make a list of every project I'm currently working on as well as all my UFOs. I'm going to make sure the projects are still organized and that I have all of the needed supplies. I use a project tracker to keep track of what step I'm at in each project So I'll update the tracker with any new information or notes. The project tracker is actually a freebie on our website, so we'll link to it in the show notes if you want to try it out. Then I'm going to make a list of all the projects I need to get done before the end of the year. This could be things like charity quilts, quilted gifts, or holiday decor. I'll put deadlines next to each project so I know exactly how to prioritize my sewing. For example, if you're making a quilt as a gift and need to send it to a long arm quilter, you might want to prioritize that finish so you can get it to the quilter before the holiday rush. But if one of your projects is like making new stockings for your family, you may be able to conquer that all in a weekend closer to December. Once I have this complete list of projects, I'll organize my space and the projects to help me accomplish more. I'll clear my workspace of any projects that are urgent, so I have room to make progress on more important things. I'll start gathering fabric and supplies for the important projects and organizing them into storage containers. I like to use clear bins because I can see at a glance what's in them 
and they're stackable for easy storage. Then I plan my schedule to my advantage. So I'll start waking up 30 minutes earlier each day for extra sewing time. I'm a morning person, so this is easy for me to do, but maybe you'll want to stay up 30 minutes later or use your lunch break to sew. Find a little extra time in your schedule to make daily progress on your projects. In the past, I've tried carving out hours of time in my schedule or even entire weekends to make progress on projects, and I never get as much done as I thought I would, and I always end up panicking at the last minute. So start now and make small progress each day will get you farther on your projects in the long run. And there it is. It's not anything crazy. It's really just making a list, prioritizing your projects, organizing and storing them, and making time to sew. But for some reason, when holiday panic sets in, having a plan like this can really help. Plus, after the holiday season is over, all my projects will be organized to start the new year off right. This week is our last challenge for our Sweet Quilty Home program, and this week's challenge is to get your projects organized. So if you tackle some of these steps that we shared in the podcast this week, you can share your progress with us on Instagram using the hashtag SweetQuiltyHome. We had a blast during these 10 weeks seeing everyone's pictures and sharing tips on how to make your home a beautiful place to relax and be creative. If you are new to the podcast or you missed some weeks of the challenge, we'll link to the challenge in the show notes so that you can still access all the resources and videos that we shared, and you can still always participate using that hashtag. We are always checking it and love to see what everyone's up to. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. We'll be back to chat with Susan Cleveland, a talented quilter, teacher, and tool designer, right after the break. And we're back. Last month, I had the pleasure of talking to Susan Cleveland of Pieces Be With You. Susan is an award-winning quilter, respected teacher, designer of tools that really add special touches to your quilts, and is just a ball of joyful energy. She has a lot of amazing tips to share with everyone, so please enjoy our chat. Well, hi, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Lindsay. It's good to see you. It's good to have the chance to connect with quilters. Yay. I know. It's always a good time. So why don't you start off today by telling us a little bit about you, how you started quilting? Sure. Um, I was an engineer for years after college, and then I, I left that when I had our first kid. And then after I was at home with the kids for a few years, I stumbled into quilting. I just decided I would give it a try. I had sewn for many years. So I tried quilting and I liked it. And and I had subscribed to all the magazines and all of that and so on. And, and I kept reading about this show that was happening in Paducah. And so I entered a quilt and it got in. Um, and I had no idea that that's not really where most people start. But <laughs> Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> but I, I, had, I had no idea. Um, so it got in and then I was asked to teach at a local quilt shop and I said yes and 
absolutely loved it. I love teaching quilting. I love quilters. Um, and I love coming up with new ways to do things, to make things easier and more accurate um, and that kind of thing. And then it just mushroomed from there. I never imagined it would become what it has for me. And I am ever so grateful. <laughs> yeah, I find that a lot of people that make it into the quilting industry have that math or engineering background because their brains just work in a way that really lends itself to that creative thinking. Yes. Now, typically, well, maybe I shouldn't speak for everybody in that boat, but, but for me, the artistry is more of a challenge. The design and the artistry is more of a challenge than the, um, than the techniques. Um, I have to, when I design a, a quilt, a competition quilt, when I design a quilt for show, I have to not think too much about how am I going to put this together because then I'll, I'll dumb it down for myself and, and that's, that's not good. I need to go ahead and go as far as my mind will go with the design and have the confidence that I can figure out technically how to put it together. And so far that's been working. It has your quilts are beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned a little bit that you're a teacher um, and you enjoy teaching. So you teach a lot of classes, everything from making Dresdens to like finishing techniques like piping and binding. So yes. how did you, you, your local quilt shop invited you to teach? How did it blossom from there? And what do you really love about teaching? Well, what happened was I, I, I really like details. Um, and I, I really admire uh, fine workmanship. I respect that um, in, in other quilts. And I strive for that in my quilts. And so when it came time, I, I thought, you know, people just, there's not a lot of attention. There's not a lot of instruction out there on finishing on the binding and I know it's weird it's quite unusual but the binding has always been my favorite part since my very first quilt <laughs> so I started teaching binding and I was teaching other people's techniques for how to get um, this tiny little sliver you see that little green sliver in that binding uh -huh. how to get that tiny little sliver of piping and binding and as I was teaching that and, and struggling with getting results that I wanted, um, I came up with a, uh, an idea for a tool. And it is an, an acrylic tool that has grooves in the back so that after you sew your piping, and silly me, I don't have one right here to show you, but then you lay it down over your sewn piping and the excess seam allowance sticks out beyond the edge of the ruler, if you will. And then you trim it, you pull the next bit of piping into the tool and trim and so on and so on. And then I wrote up a 16-page booklet with all the details of how to get really nice piped bindings on your quilts. And there were seven variations in there and so on. And I started teaching from that book with that tool and started getting more uh, recognition you know, statewide and then nationwide and eventually internationally. And it became a really big deal. But that was my first big idea that that really got me going so, wow, so and, that, and it's still a hot hot class 
and a product today called Piping Hot Binding. Uh-huh. So you are well, you were traveling to teach. How often yes. are you traveling? Uh, there for about 10 years, I was doing 25 gigs mm-hmm. a year, a combination of conferences with shows and guild visits. And I, I keep saying, I'm going to cut back. I'm going to cut back. But it's just so hard. I the, the last couple of years, I'm booked through 2022 wow. right now. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with those bookings? I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I may be sitting at home. Who knows? Um, but uh, I, I've tried to cut back. I was going to cut back to about a dozen, and I can't seem to get below like 16 a year. It's it's so hard to say no. You're in I demand. <laughs> well, I'm going to show up. Um, I'm going to spend time with quilters. I'm going to get to teach what I'm passionate about, and quilters, God bless them, are the most appreciative people ever. And so they let you know, thank you for showing me this. Thank you for making this easy. And and so it's just so rewarding. It's it's really hard to cut back. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when you're so passionate about it. <laughs> oh, I do love it. I love quilters. It, and it's I think I was born to teach. Oh. And this is killing me. Not I know. Being able How to be have out with my Yeah, how have things changed with COVID? Are you just having to cancel things? Are you doing online classes? It's horrible. I'll be honest. It is just horrible. Um, And I worry about my colleagues as well. Um, The financial situation is devastating. I mean, the financial situation is grave. I'm lucky in that my family... My household does not rely on my income, but I worry about my colleagues very much. Um, but it's been hard not being with my people. <laughs> I think it's hard for all of us. Oh, it is. Oh, I, I, I know I'm, I'm in a very big boat with a lot of others. We're just very spread out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and I really feel a need to share what I've learned and shared the the ideas I've come up with and such and so yeah it's it's been nasty you know my my husband is tired of of my saying come on down here let me show you this no okay (laughs) your husband's gonna be a quilter at the end of this (laughs) (laughs) the poor guy (laughs) so yeah it's it's been rough um I I realize my troubles and my situation are quite good compared to what a lot of people are going through. I have a lot of sympathy for a whole lot of folks, but it's, to be honest, it, it is tough not being with my people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully things get back better soon and you can start, start traveling to places and thank and thank you for what you're doing to bring us together and to you know give us something in place of face to face so thank you for what you're doing I think we, we all appreciate that a great deal oh thank you I I definitely have the pleasure of getting to talk through video chat with the people we interview so it's been nice for me to see people now too <laughs> oh very good good I'm glad you're liking it <laughs> So 
Do you have like favorite classes you like to teach or ones where your participants always are like, have that aha moment? Like, oh my gosh, this is life changing for me. Definitely, definitely do. Um, I got to say that, that what I've already spoke about, the piping hot binding, I've been teaching that for, oh my goodness, 22 years. Wow. And still, I get so excited for it because I, I won't lie to anybody. It, it is a tricky task. It is not the easiest thing in quilting. And yet, I, I've learned so much through the years about different machines and different quilters' habits. Um, I can head them off before they go down a path that's going to make things more difficult, you know, and things like that. And individual sewing machines. Um, that's a that's a big thing. I think you get that with, with a more experienced teacher. Um, and so that one. Um, and then my newest work um, is a book that I published just months ago called Dynamic Dresdens. And the quilts behind me are from that. And I've taken the the traditional Dresden and I've conquered a lot of the tricky things that made Dresden's kind of daunting, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and with certain tools and, but, but then when I write my books, I also write, so you don't have to have specialty tools with or without specialty tools. Um, but this new Dresden stuff is really awesome. And here I'm going to, I, I have rigged you up so that I can bring you over here with me. <laughs> for those of you who are only listening, she is she has a whole classroom set up for me right now behind I'm, her. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing a mini trunk show today. So this this is the Dresden quilt that started it off. And what's different about my Dresdens? Uh, well, there are a number of things really, but you'll see that you don't. There's no applique center in this Dresden. So I'm making a point on the outside edge of the wedge and the inside edge of the wedge and then we don't need that applique center so that's one thing I do differently um, and then here's one where each of the wedges is made out of um, a strip set that's pieced and so you get this uh, idea of a over a, a star overlaying the Dresdens and and there's just so much to be done with these new Dresdens and and I love taking I think my forte really is taking a tricky task for quilters and figuring out what we can do to make it easier and more accurate um and so i you know write those right now those are my two favorites but i really passionate about all my classes and i and i test all my classes i have guinea pigs oh that's good <laughs> yeah you need those to know what oh, questions they have oh because sometimes what makes perfect sense to me makes no sense to anyone else and I am smart enough to realize that. And so, so I ask for help. On my, my new Dynamic Dresden's book, I had 14 testers Wow! on that book. I had 14 people testing those instructions, and then they allowed me to photograph those quilts and put them in the book. And so I think it makes a book better when you see the work of more than one person. I agree, too. So those are some things I'm really, really excited about. Fun. So what? So you've created a lot of tools to help quilters mm -hmm. make things easier. Do you have a most popular one? Is it your piping binding tool? Well, actually, the Prairie Pointer has surpassed that one. Why don't you explain uh, that one a little bit? The Prairie Pointer. Oh, let's see. I actually, I, I put that one up here today. <laughs> so it is, and see, it's this little triangular tool. Okay. And it is made for... 
when you when you want to fold prairie points into that perfect little triangle a lot of times we get a pucker up in the top and with that tool you can fold the prairie point quickly and easily and you don't get the pucker in the top that's awesome and oh my gosh it's so fun i mean besides just getting really good results it's just really fun yeah <laughs> okay so let's switch to talking about your quilts so you said one okay. here first quilts you entered in Paducah and it got accepted which is amazing and you've won a lot of awards at other quilt shows and I think you have such a unique style and you have all these little amazing details and decorative oh, accents you. in your quilts so do you want to describe the style of quilts you make and and maybe like some of the decorative <gasps> accents you add uh, but sure I'll give it a shot um, for a long time, my colleagues and friends told me that when they saw one of my quilts in a show, they knew it was mine. And I, I didn't see it for the longest time. I didn't see it because, you know, you look at your own work and you think, oh, dang, you know, what I did there is not as good as so-and-so and what I did there is not as good as so-and-so. And, and I lack any skill whatsoever with free motion quilting so you will not find that <laughs> i mean I, i'll do it once in a oh maybe every fifth blue moon you know as they say um so you know you see your own work and you, i don't i don't think we can see our own work as clearly as others can um and then eventually i started seeing what my friends and colleagues said that they saw that there were things i was doing repeating from quilt to quilt that kind of made them mine. So I, I think the first thing is I, I really try very hard to have a very high level of workmanship. Um, and so I don't take any shortcuts. <laughs> I redo and redo until it looks good. Now, if I sew it the fourth time and it's still not right, it goes in the garbage and I have to step away <laughs> oh my goodness. from the project. I have to I have to start out cutting, cutting new. Yeah. Um, but then I also kind of my signature things, piping in the binding always, sometimes double piping in the binding. Um, my last competition quilt um, that I was showing in 2016 had double piping in the binding and then a, what I called a calligraphic binding where the binding was wide, then narrow, then wide, then narrow, and it mm -hmm. followed the curve of the edge of the quilt. It was very voluptuous. I love it. <laughs> and that took some thinking to get that figured out. Um, so always a special technique at the edge of the quilt. Um, workmanship is primo in, in my eyes. Uh, I really love hand-dyed solid fabrics so by that I mean hand-dyed fabrics that are almost solid but they still have a little bit of a variation in them that gives them uh, this beautiful depth and richness I use a lot of cherry wood fabrics mm -hmm. um, they are also from Minnesota so they're they're just they're farther away than I would like them to be but <laughs> maybe they're the safe distance away <laughs> well yeah maybe that's true um, and then I like circular radiating designs. I like feathered stars. I like compasses. Um, I like uh, lone stars, those, and even daisies. Daisies are circular radiating designs. When I applique, I applique daisies. Uh -huh. uh, I also like alternative threads. 
because I, I mentioned about my lack of free motion skill. Uh, oh, and I have had classes with the best of them, and they just compliment my effort. Those, <laughs> those We're not all meant to do it. You know, you know that? Well, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, if I had been good at free motion, I would have gone down that path. I would not have developed my own style. Yeah. So I like to combine hand quilting and machine quilting. So typically I'll machine quilt in the ditches with a fine thread. And then with a heavy thread, I'll put in designs um, either by big stitch hand quilting or, you know, big threads by machine with simpler designs with my feed dogs up. I also love adding prairie points to my work. I love adding felted wool balls to my work. Mm, yeah. Um, I really love a wigwag design. <laughs> so you're all about like up. movement and texture and like layering things to give it that oh, look. Oh, there, you said a big one, layering. Yes, layering. I like designs that that look layered and, and geometry is big for me and and I think the layering thing the way my mind works is I I blame my poor free motion on that because with free motion quilting most of the time free motion quilters are thinking filling spaces and I can't think in filling spaces my mind thinks in this design going underneath this design and so on and so on uh, layers and and uh, so my my brain is I have a handicap even before I, I get to the actual free motion quilting. The designs don't even work in my head. So, yeah, you hit on a big one layering. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, your quilts are very beautiful. And, oh, and we'll post links to this for people to see so they can oh, come to your great. website and see your work. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, let's talk binding because binding is my favorite part of the quilting process too. Um, but I think there are very few people. There's like that. very few. So I think I think we surprise people when we say that. Yes. <laughs> so what do you have any like tools or tricks or tips for making binding a little more enjoyable or easier? Yes, there's one that, that I, I, I can share that will make a huge difference. And I hear this from people all the time. So you've made your quilt top, you've layered it up, you quilted that quilt, and all along the way, you've corrected things and you've, you know, if you had to steam it to get it just right and everything, you've done so, so that uh, then you've quilted that quilt and you've tried to keep it as straight as, and with the corners as square as possible. And still, it's not perfect, right? After we quilt it, it's not perfect. So we were taught to take a ruler and a rotary cutter and whack off all the layers of that quilt to square it up and then sew the binding on. Now when we do that, as we sew the binding on, we've got all those layers and we've got that fluff at the edge of the quilt and it's so easy to stretch that quilt. It's also horribly frustrating when the backing curls under and does it gets curled up in the seam. Oh, that really gets me upset. <laughs> So I don't do that. I square up my quilts 
with a Sharpie marker or a chalk pencil or a Chaco liner, something like that. So I do the same thing with the ruler. However, you're going to use that ruler to square up your quilt. But instead of cutting it, I mark the line. And then I either sew my piping beside that line or I sew my binding if I'm not doing piping. Sew the binding beside that line. And what you'll find is a whole bunch of good things happen. Number one, that backing can't get curled under on you because you've got all that extra backing to hold on to. With all that extra batting and backing to hold on to, you've got a lot more control. As that piece goes into your machine, you've got a lot more to hold on to. And then also, you really cannot stretch that portion of the quilt because of all that extra that, that is on there. So I think that's the number one big thing that can totally change how a person feels about binding. Well, I'm going to try that. I think that's a genius oh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> it really works. Well, great tip. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I like teaching that one. I get emails from people all the time about, oh, my gosh, I tried that, and my, my quilt is so flat and straight and wonderful. Yeah, you trim off the excess not until you absolutely have to. Uh -huh. That's the way to, to think it. Okay, I'm going to try it. <laughs> Good. Okay, I want to end the interview by doing some just fun questions. Oh, okay. Okay, so what? Do you have a favorite quilt block or like an applique design? Uh, by far, the radiant feathered star. It's the feathered star that has the kite shape yep. in, the, in the eight points around. Oh, I love it. I, I learned from Marsha McCloskey's feathered star books. Wow. That's got to be my fave. <laughs> okay. Do you prefer piecing or applique? Oh, I think I'll say piecing, but that's that's kind of a tough choice. You but can I like piecing. both. You don't have to pick if you don't want to. <laughs> I love both, but if, if I could only do one or the other, I'd have to go with piecing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, do you prefer quilting by machine or by hand? Oh, man, that's a really tough one. Um... Oh, I cannot choose. I cannot choose. <laughs> These are harder than I thought for you. <laughs> but but I do, but I do both. On it. Yeah. I have never, well, no. I think there have only been a couple of my beginning quilts where I hand quilted the whole thing. See, I like to quilt by machine in the ditch and then then um, in the open areas do big stitch hand quilting. Uh-huh. So you like to combine them. <laughs> You've got hard questions. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> let's see about this next one. What's the color okay. that always finds itself into your quilts um acid green really I like uh, yeah, that I use a lot of I use a lot of acid green I do just I for do. a pop of color yes so many times it's just the right pop um and and, and there are enough shades and values of it uh, that you can find one that is not garish Okay, what's your favorite summer activity in Minnesota? Oh, um, going to um, art fairs. Oh, that's fun. You have a oh lot of them God. there? We have fantastic art fairs in Minnesota. Um, and even when hubby and I go on vacation, we look for art fairs. And the art fairs in Minnesota are 
among the very, very best in the whole country. So, yeah. you know, if people know of other really good ones, do let me know because <laughs> I'm always looking for, for good art fairs. And I can't go to art fairs these days either. So I'm just... Well, I will really just say wide, but... we're in Des Moines, Iowa, and we have a very great art fair right outside our offices every summer. So check it out okay. one time. Is it the one downtown around the sculpture park? Yep. Been there. It is a good one. <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome. Thank you so much, Susan. This was so fun talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. It is, uh, this will have to do for now, connecting with with quilters this way and and i hope people found something to to spark an idea or inspire them or maybe even just be entertained for a couple of minutes because i really miss i really miss my quilters yeah <laughs> so thank you so much of Lindsay. course thank you <laughs> hey it's Lindsay. i just loved my chat with susan she put a huge smile on my face when we talked, and it brings another smile to listen back to the interview. Susan is actually a part of our Meet the Makers issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. We did a fun feature on her, as well as seven other designers. So pick up the October 2020 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting to read more. And as always, visit our show notes for the links to the quilts and resources mentioned in our interview. We'll also link to Susan's website and social media so you can connect with her more. Before we leave today, I wanted to encourage you all to share the podcast with a quilting friend or even rate and review the podcast. It only takes a minute and it's so helpful with other quilters finding us. We even feature some reviews on the podcast and send fun gifts out to those who do it. So it's a great incentive. Thanks all and have a great week.